welcome to the Conquer Your Battlefield podcast, where we come together to discuss some of the more significant struggles and metaphorical battlefields that we've faced along our journeys and share some insight on how we've conquered them. I'm J.D. McGinney, and today I'll be chatting with the adventurous, the ambitious, the fearless, inspiring, and elegant Leah Martin-Brown of Evil Walks. How are you doing, Leah? I'm good. Thank you. That was a really <laughs> lovely introduction. I'm blushing. Well, <laughs> oh, oh, you're very you. welcome. Yeah. Thank you for coming and, you know, having this conversation and hanging out for a little bit. Yeah, of course. Of course. Anytime. So today we'll be talking about addiction. In the United States alone, millions of people struggle with some form of addiction from tobacco, alcohol, or a wide array of illicit drugs. Focusing on alcohol for a moment, the fact that it is a legally purchased substance for those of you who are 21 and over in the United States makes it easily obtainable and therefore opens up a lot of doors for users to expand their addictive habits to other substances. According to the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism, 14.5 million people that are 12 years and older, which is crazy because 12 years mm -hmm. and older, in the United States have alcohol use disorder or alcoholism. They also say that 95,000 people die annually from alcohol-related deaths. And in 2019, about 10,000 of those were from drunk driving. According to the National Center for Drug Abuse Statistics, about 700,000 people have died from drug overdoses in general since the year 2000. That's over half a million people. They also state that drug abuse, ten uh, drug abuse tends to be an issue that affects more people living in cities over those living in more rural areas. On top of that, they also point out that drug abuse tends to affect younger people, generally around the ages belonging to those uh, who are in high school and in college. So Leah, you've become very vocal about your own personal relationship with addiction in recent years, going so far as to open up in interviews through various press outlets and to get involved with organizations that raise awareness for being sober and mental health organizations in general. How do you feel that addiction developed for you? And do you feel that your age and your surroundings played a part in the inner development? Or do you feel that there was always something inside of you that you've always wrestled with that steered you towards that path? Um, that's a really good question. I think this is probably <laughs> the best question I've yet been asked in a podcast about my sobriety. So, <laughs> oh, well, so, thank you. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, it's, uh, I think it's really hard to pinpoint. Um, when I was younger, I was, um, you know, in high school, drinking was not something that I did. Um, it was not something that I was really interested in. Um, and because I used to have a lot of fun anyway, um, and I didn't hang out, like my friend group was not really the, the drinking crowd, but mm -hmm. I got to about, um, but I always had this like feeling of, um, I was always sad. I was just always really sad. Um, and there was a lot of factors that played into that. Um, but then I, I got to 15 and I think I went to the first time I ever really got like drunk, drunk. I was 15 and my group of girlfriends were having a sleepover and they were all, the plan was we were all going to bring our boyfriends and we were all going to bring drinks and it was going to be this really fun party. And then right before it happened, they didn't like my boyfriend. So I wasn't allowed to bring my boyfriend. And I was like, oh, okay, fine then. So I got to this party and they're all kind of like drinking and they've got their boyfriends there. And I just, I took a bottle of OP rum from my mum's like covered, like overproof rum. So I didn't even get one of those, like, you know, <laughs> a vodka orange. Like I went hard out. <laughs> and I drank like it was only like one of the travel bottles but for a 15 year old that's well for anyone that's a lot yeah, that's a lot of rum <laughs> it, it was a lot of rum it's a 
I drank all the rum. Uh, so I could have been a pirate. I probably sounded like one so, by the end of that. So night. that is why the rum is gone. Pretty much. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so I think the reason I did drink so much is because I was quite angry at them for being like exclusionary. And then I was just kind of bored and lonely and I didn't really know. And that was the first kind of time I got like hammered. I got in so much trouble and I didn't, you know, I experimented a little bit when I was like in 11th and 12th grade. So when I was like 16 and 17, drinking age in Australia is 18. Gotcha. Um, so, but it didn't, I kind of wasn't really like I binge drink, but that was about it. Um, it wasn't until I really got older that it started to become a problem. Um, so I'd you say, say older. Like, I'd say, I think the first kind of catalyst happened when I was about 19 and a half. I had a really, really bad breakup. Um, and one of the reasons that they said, like they cheated on me, essentially, they cheated on me with like two different people. And one of the reasons was I was boring because I wouldn't go out and party with them. Um, you know, I wanted to like hang out and do other things. And I used to be sitting in the like if I went out dancing or whatever it was fun but just like sitting around at home like getting wasted was something that I thought was really boring um and so that was like it like kicked off this thing in my head and I went kind of I had like a I had a mental breakdown I was hospitalized twice in that year um I had like a bunch going on and then things just kept kind of progressing I tried to like get over that um I moved to a different city but then there was you know it just couldn't get on top of me and I was so sad all the time and I was miserable. And the only thing that made it feel better was when I was partying. Um, I didn't feel sad and I didn't feel alone. And I, I felt like I had friends and I felt like people cared about me because everyone wanted to party with me because I was fun. Um, very boring now. But yeah, and then I moved to Los Angeles, which is probably not a great idea for someone who already has like maybe <laughs> mental health issues or addiction issues. And I was okay for a little bit. Um, but then I had two very close friends of mine die within a month of each other, one wow. by suicide and one in a, another I'm so one. sorry to a, hear that. Thank you. Thank you. It's, uh, it's still very sad. Uh, met five, six years on, but yeah. And then the second one was a professional boxer and he got hit in the head in the ring and he died backstage. Um, oh, no. Yeah. So that kind of went into a new spiral and it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And I wasn't really identifying it. I think I was kind of in denial. Um, I definitely think if I hadn't have been in Los Angeles, I definitely think if I hadn't, if I'd have been closer to family, or maybe if I had found the friend group that I do have now, that it wouldn't have been so much. Um, I also have, and I'm getting much better in my sobriety, um, but I also have a problem talking about emotions. Um, I'm someone who doesn't like to talk about emotions. I try and avoid them, which means I also try and avoid feeling them. Uh, so that was just like, if I was partying and if I was drinking, it could like help me escape from that and I would be able to deflect. So I think, I think that might've answered your question. It definitely answered uh, a good chunk of everything. Like it, it sounds like you definitely went through a really, uh, a really intense journey of like just the, your initial introduction to, to alcohol and then like where it like led to, but it sounds like just from listening to your story, is that a lot of your uh, your initial and like really pivotal moments with alcohol that like really stood out were around uh, significant um, significant moments where like there was like a lot of uh, negative feelings and that like your the initial one at the party where it's like they mm -hmm. you know they basically ostracized and like banned your boyfriend you were left in a social in a social setting 
with also like the these negative feelings. So I I, I feel like that is a very uh, that's a very significant lesson being learned, mm-hmm. especially at such a, a pivotal and young age, because you're like, oh, alcohol is meant for socializing and negative feelings, like right there, yeah. especially with like you know this much rum. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, this lesson Ooh. is cemented. <laughs> yeah, this is a lot of rum. Yeah, I would, if I don't recommend it, but if people are going to be trying to drink for their first time, don't drink OP rum straight from the bottle, especially yeah. when it's warm. Don't do it. It's just, baby steps, baby steps. Baby steps. Just, you know, have a, have a wine, like a civilized person. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. A nice red. Um, mm. So if I'm not mistaken, you grew up in a, in a small town before moving to was Melbourne. Is that, am I correct? Yeah. So I'm, I live, well, a smallish town. I'm from the Gold Coast. So like, oh, this little town called Burley Head. So we get a lot of tourists there. We're on the surf circuit. We're kind gotcha. of a party town. And then, yeah, I moved to Melbourne when I was, I'd finished my bachelor's degree. So yeah, I was, I was 20. I was 20 when I moved to Melbourne. So did you, were the, the that group of friends when you were 15, I'm assuming it was, was in, uh, what was Burleyhead was the name of the town? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So they were in that group that uh, they were there. So yes. do you feel that when you went to Melbourne is when like everything really started to like uh, come to a head even more than just like that initial? Yeah, I think I was, I was in a really bad place because of the, um, like, I know it sounds so silly to say like, you know, I was in such a bad place from this break, this first ever breakup, but it was, um, it was really bad what yeah. happened. Well, it's um, not, it's not a silly thing at all, you know, like. Yeah, it's, it, and we've made our peace now. Yeah, I was gonna say like yeah. relationships are just very, uh, they're very intense, like, yeah. regardless. And like, when it's like one of your first, like really big relationships, like those feelings, like you're not really used to those negative feelings. So like when they come, it's unexpected. You're like, you know, it's hard yeah. to process sometimes. So it's definitely not a silly thing to say like at yeah. all. But um, yeah, so I was, I was probably not, uh, I probably shouldn't have been moving to a town near nobody I knew. Probably being alone was not the best idea, but um, I did it anyway. And um, there were a few other events that, I mean, I don't really talk about them because it's, you know, private family business, but <laughs> there was something very traumatic that happened to me when I was in Melbourne. And I think that really compounded it. It compounded the sadness. It compounded the anger. Um, and it just kind of made me feel like I couldn't trust anybody. Uh, so the only thing I really had was, you know, going out and partying. And that was my identity. Like I hadn't, I hadn't really found a close group of friends that I have now. And I didn't really have a support system because I kind of felt betrayed by that support system. So it was a very, it was kind of a recipe for disaster that just spiraled out of control and then just continued to do so at an accelerated and rapid pace once I eventually moved to the United States two years later. Totally, totally understandable. Um, I just had a question that flew out of my head. It's gone now. Uh, oh, you earlier in the conversation, you had mentioned that you're not uh, naturally the kind of person who feels comfortable sharing like your feelings and your emotions. Do you feel like that played a big part in your development of your alcohol addiction? Absolutely. I I absolutely think it did. Um, I've always buried my feelings since I was very small. Um, You know, my mom says, my mom used to say, you know, even most people like really don't know what's going on with me because I just won't say anything. So that compounded it. Um, I kind of err on the other side now. I'm very, you know, since being doing the 12-step program, um, you know, being sober for as long as I have been, 
and kind of working through, you know, emotions are still hard for me to communicate, but I'm, I'm, I'm communicating them. So that's, yeah, because you know, you're like, you know, following you on social media, like, you know, for the past like couple of years at this point, mm-hmm. like you're, you're constantly doing things in, involving just like, you know, help encouraging people to you know get sober and like seek, seek help. And then I think recently you just did a, uh, a fundraiser for a suicide prevention or suicide awareness thing. If, if yes, both. Yeah, the American Federation for Suicide Foundation for Suicide Prevention. So I did, was part of a team who did the walk in Santa Monica, and we I think we raised over two thousand dollars, which is cool. Oh, muscle tough. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and um, yeah, so that's an organization that I've just become involved with, and would like to be involved in more. When I even before I started to struggle with alcohol issues, um, I would volunteer at a place called Headspace uh, in my hometown in Australia, which was mental health um, assistance for youths. And I would go and like give guitar lessons and hang out and, oh, cool. you know, just do all that. That's fantastic. And do you feel that you have gotten more, like, do you feel that getting involved with all these organizations now has helped you in your own, uh, I guess, personal therapy, your own recovery? Yeah, be, being of service is definitely a huge thing in recovery. Uh, it's something that they talk about if you are in a 12-step program. If you're not in a 12-step program, but you maybe have a therapist, it's something that maybe they would speak about too. Uh, because being having an addiction to alcohol um, or abusing drugs or alcohol, at the, at the core of it, even though we are doing it, um, and this is just my personal thoughts, so don't crucify me, whoever's listening, um, you know, even though we're doing it to hide the pain that we're feeling and mask that and we ha- we're doing it to escape, it is rooted in selfishness because hurting ourselves and behaving like a frigging idiot, which is definitely what I used to do, um, it, it, it only hurts ourselves and it hurts the people that we love and it hurts the people that are close to us and that's selfish. Because even if you are going through the worst time in the, you know, when you're at your most unlovable is when you need love the most. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we can step out of ourselves and stop focusing on like, oh God, I'm sad today. This sucks. This sucks. Instead, you can be like, oh, what can I do to help someone else? Because focusing on how shitty I feel, what I need to escape from is only going to like, you know, go Exacerbate into that everything. Exactly. And it's just, you know, it's rooted in ego. It's rooted in selfishness. Like we can have a moment, of course, like we're human. We, we are allowed yeah, you to, have, but, we all have emotions. Yeah. We need to feel what it is that we're feeling. Yes. But we need uh, to feel them. Yeah. And, yeah. But just get out and try and help people. Or even if it's just little things, like nobody has to know that you're helping people. It, it's more for yourself because yeah. you can't really focus on how shitty you feel. If you're, you know, it's like, Oh, I did something really nice for that person. Like, I feel, I feel good that I've done that. Like, I'm glad I could be of service and assist. Yeah, that makes sense. Hmm. Now, you said that, uh, you said that, like, the, the, a lot of it, the, the, the addiction, whether it's alcohol or, like, drugs or, like, you know, wh- uh, what, what have you, uh, is rooted in selfishness. And I think you mentioned something about, like, like, harming yourself. Did you ever feel that, did you ever feel that in the throes of your like addiction, when it was like at its highest, at its worst or its, its lowest point, however you would like to you know phrase it, did you ever feel that like uh, the idea of doing like physical harm was a necessity to attach to that addiction? Um, I think I, I think some, there was a point where physical harm was something that did attach itself to my addiction. And that was quite early on. Um, but I kind of stepped out of that after a while. And it was mainly like, I would cause myself a lot of mental 
issues. Gotcha. Um, I would do a lot of self-sabotaging. Like I, there definitely was some physical at the very beginning when I was younger, but when I became older, I figured out that if I damage my entire life beyond, uh, beyond repair, that's going to hurt more because <laughs> I'm clearly a sadist. No, I'm a masochist, <laughs> masochist not a absolutely. sadist, not yeah. a sadist, masochist. <laughs> masochist. <laughs> masochist. <laughs> there you go. So it definitely sounds like there is a lot of, uh, there's a lot going on and it sounds like there's a lot of just like little things that added up into bigger things and bigger things. What is it for you that was the final, uh, what was that moment of realization that brought you to go, you know, maybe I should change the way I'm living my life. I should make a change in how, uh, you know, I'm conducting myself. Uh, there were a few things. Um, I started 2018 was a really, really rough year uh, for me. I just, it just wasn't a good year at all. Um, and then I, at the end of 2018, I was like, you know, I should get sober. Like, it's not cool. I'm getting like, I'm going to be 30 in, tw- I'm going to be 28 in 2019. Like, you know, I should probably get my shit together. My life isn't going really how I want it to go. I don't, you know, I, I want to be a better person. And I kept trying to get sober here and there, um, but it just, it hadn't worked. Um, and then right before my birthday, I, I don't really like to talk about exactly what happened because it opens up into a he said, she said, and thankfully uh, this has been resolved um, by both parties. But I was in a relationship at the time that was not a good relationship. I thought it was, but it wasn't. Mm -hmm. And we were both people who probably needed to get help. Um, And we, I don't know, it just, it kind of all blew up one evening. And I just thought, you know, I can't handle these emotions if I'm going to be drinking. I will be too sad. I will be too upset. I was extremely depressed. I was like, I'm going to end up like hurting myself seriously if I don't remove what like, cause it's, you know, making your head. Yeah. It just know, puts you into to, like a, a spiral that's hard yeah. to get out of. Yeah. If you're already depressed, adding alcohol is not helping. And it definitely was definitely so, is not. No. And it was a very uh, volatile situation that occurred. And it's like, there's no way that I'm going to be able to deal with this, the hurt and the betrayal and all of the uh, messy (laughs) litigation that happened afterwards. I'm not going to be able to deal with that. Um, And if, and go through this mourning process of this relationship, as well as all of this other nonsense, um, if I don't have a clear head. And it just seemed like the time to, you know, kind of focus on myself and do that. Well, I'm glad to hear that, like, you were able to, you know, come to, like, such a clear realization. I'm sorry to hear that it was through something that was very, like, uh, like traumatizing and, and stressful. And, and, like, that's, you know, definitely not, not a good, you know, thing to be going through. But the no. positive is that you are now, I guess, you were set on the path that you are on now to sobriety, reaching out and helping others, which is... Look, it was the best thing that ever it was honestly the best worst thing that's ever happened to me <laughs> I like that. uh because well it 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 got me it helped me get sober it helped me see who was and was not serving me in my life mm-hmm. and it helped me get out of something that you know was not good for me and would have blown up in a much more terrible way probably 
much later along the line um i found out a lot of stuff afterwards that i was like oh, oh. this is why the universe made this happen <laughs> i understand now You're like i, I feel a lot better now for my decision <laughs> yeah i feel like i made a good decision for the first time in about 10 years sounds good well congratulations i'm glad that you're thank here you. <laughs> yeah thank you <laughs> Um, you, you brought up uh, like depression a lot in uh, this most recent part of the conversation and a couple times earlier. Do you, uh, is that something that you struggle with and have struggled with, you know, throughout your, throughout your life, just having like a constant like battle with depression? Yeah, I, when I was a teenager, I know people always used to talk about uh, hormones and how it make you crazy and all of this stuff. So when I was a kid, I was just like, oh, I, I'm just a teenager. And it didn't go away. And I was like, no, I guess I'm still a teenager. I'm still a teenager. And it just kept going and going. And I was just like, God, how does everyone else do this? This is exhausting. And then in 2015, I finally, because again, don't like talking about things, especially with strangers. Um, I finally was like, kind of begrudgingly was like, oh, I'll go to, because my mom's like, you should go and see someone. Like, You should go and see. I'm like, no, I'm not going to like, fuck you. <laughs> like, what do you know about my life? You know, <laughs> angsty teen responses. Angsty teen. Actually, 24 year old. So listen, I, you're young at heart. It counts as, you I'm know, a teen with experience. Yeah. So I, I begrudgingly went to this psychologist. And uh, if I went back now, like I, I would know kind of what I wanted to talk about and how I wanted to talk about and the problems I needed to address. But back then, I'm just like, I don't know. I'm really angry all the time. I'm really sad all the time. Fuck everyone, essentially. So I went in 2015 and he's like, yeah, you have depression. I'm like, oh, really? He's like, yes. Would you like drugs? I was like, no, I don't want drugs. He's like, okay, cool. Well, you should get a dog or something and exercise and call me because uh, he's in Australia and I'm here. So I would just, yeah. So I went to him for a while. Um, and yeah, ever since then, it's kind of been a little bit easier to navigate. I am trying to stay off the antidepressants and I have the luxury of Which being able sense. to do that. I, I am very lucky in the fact that I do have the luxury of being able to do that so far. Like when I get down into like the deepest depths, I do have um, things that I do to fix it. And because I no longer drink myself into oblivion, yeah, those deep, deep, dark patches are fewer and far and further between than they used to be. Well, that's fantastic. It, it sounds like you're, you're at a point now where you're like you can recognize when those you know those downward spirals start to happen you can be like all right i gotta do x y and z yeah what are just so you know so people who are watching uh can like hear like what it is that you go through what are some of the things that you do in order to keep yourself out of those those like really like low lows when you start feeling that way mm-hmm. um well i definitely try like i exercise pretty much like five to six days a week mm-hmm. um I see a personal trainer as well now, which is nice, but even just getting out for a walk, doing something, uh, I eat really, really well. So I eat, um, like I'm mainly plant-based now. So I, I'm not eating a lot of like a lot fast of red food meat or anything. Yeah. Don't eat it anywhere. I don't eat a lot of fast food or fried food or anything because even though it's delicious, like once or twice a week, if you eat it all the time, like I, it's going to mess with your body chemistry. Yeah. It messes with my body chemistry. Um, I like to, I do meditate when I get really stressed, I do yoga. Um, when my dog is sadly in Australia, but, uh, he was a big help to me when I had really bad days. We just go out on adventures. Um, I spend time with my friends. I have books that, and movies or video games that are like my comfort ones to go to. And if it gets really bad, I go to that. I journal. I'm really good with my journaling. Um, and I think it also helps. I now have a very supportive partner who I can actually talk to about it. That so is a really nice. big thing. 
it is really it's huge yeah, yeah. I ne- I've never had that before so he's he's very understanding um I try not to bother him too much but when it gets bad I'm like I just feel sad can I have a hug and he yeah, always it- cooks me food so that helps <laughs> that is even better he's a <laughs> Listen, really i need kid. to vent also give me snacks <laughs> pretty much <laughs> yeah no it's 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 really important you know like you know you hear it all the time when you're like a kid you know especially like in our generation and like in like uh like the anti-bullying and like being like kind of mindful like the idea of just like being aware of like the people that you're hanging out with the people you're spending your time with you know, making sure that you have that positive uh, support, you know, is really, really important. And like, you don't, you don't realize it until like, you know, a situation like this, where like, you look back on, you know, your adolescence to like now, and you're like, oh, wow, I was missing like, all of that up until like you said, I guess the past couple of years, like the the friend group that you've made in Los Angeles, like your partner right now, it's just, you're the way the way you're describing how you're living your life right now is a lot more positive it's upbeat you're you're going out you're you're a lot more uh what's the word i'm looking for uh i guess you're just a lot you're a lot more outgoing and like you want to you want to help people you want to you want to give more whereas like before when you were like in melbourne i guess like when you just got to la you, you described your your experience and like your habits as being very like uh, contained and like doing whatever it is that you could to either like self-sabotage or just like try try to not deal with those those negative feelings that you were dealing with mm-hmm. yeah so I'm, I'm really happy to hear that like you you have you have this you know positive like path that you're on I'm, I'm trying I think it's you know we can all we can all try the best we can um and I think you know, everyone makes mistakes. We're imperfect people. We are not saints, as they say in the big book. But uh, I just think if you get up every morning and just one day at a time, it, um, I, yeah, I try and have a much more positive outlook because of, I can be very negative. And um, in the worst times of my life, I was very negative and I probably wasn't very fun to be around. And I probably was a bitch sometimes. So I really just actively now um, am trying to kind of reverse some of the things that I didn't like how I was. So I'm just now I'm just trying to be mindful to be the opposite of what I don't want to be. Well, it's very admirable. The fact that you are so self-aware and the fact that like you're, you're actively making these changes. Trying. I mean, we all have our moments. (laughs) (laughs) We're all human, but I think overall, like you definitely deserve the praise. I'm going to ask a question that is, I guess, kind of like a stereotypical uh, kind of question that every like musician and like artist that gets uh, asked in these kind of situations. But do you feel that because of your struggle with like depression, your 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 uh, inability when you were younger to like make sense of what you were feeling is what drew you to music to begin with? Honestly, I I don't know. Like I've always wanted to be like I've always loved to sing and perform and write music even since like even when I was a kid like before kind of all of this really started um I think once it got I think being on stage it just kind of solidified what I wanted to do because being on stage and performing and writing music is like therapy for me you know it's you go on and you tell like I couldn't have a conversation with someone and be like I'm upset with you or this has made me sad or I'm feeling like this because of this. I couldn't, I'd be like, uh, 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 run away. But then on stage, I can get up and be like, yeah, this happened and this sucks and and like, here you are and just leave it all here. And now I'm going to go backstage and please don't talk to me. (laughs) It's it's really like, it's crazy, but it's also like magical the way that like music does that where it's Mm -hmm. like, 
you know, like you, you said, you, like you in like a situation like normally like this, where it's just two people having a conversation, you know, like you don't necessarily feel comfortable, like, you know, opening up like a hundred percent, but with, you know, you write a song, you're like, this is literally what happened in the most artistic and graphic way, like possible. Yeah. And like, you're pouring your heart out literally to like hundreds, thousands of people daily, <laughs> but like, and like, you're totally fine with it. And it, I think it's, it's fascinating too, because uh, just speaking from like my own perspective, like writing a song is like, uh, it's like a timestamp. It's like taking a Polaroid of something that like happened that you can't necessarily like explain in just words. Like you need something, you need something logically illogical, which mm -hmm. is a song that you're, you're, you're molding into those feelings that you had. And then you can come back to it and like have a different perspective after you've written it. And then every time you perform it, you have a different perspective, a different experience with that. And I think uh, as a musician, as an artist, it's very, uh, it's very therapeutic being able to like reanalyze certain things and like re-feel those feelings in a, in a, uh, in like a safe environment. Mm -hmm. So, oh, sorry, were you gonna say something? No, 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 uh, I was just saying <laughs> I completely agree. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely, you know, I, I think it's interesting how a lot of uh, musicians also tend to have a lot of uh, str similar struggles that like you've just uh, described, or like they don't necessarily feel comfortable like opening up, you know, like one on one, but like they feel more comfortable, you know, op like writing out how it is that they feel in, in these songs. Uh, so your, your band, Evil Walks, you've had, I think, since you moved to Los Angeles, right? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Do you feel that the people that you've uh, gathered to be part of the band have been a positive influence in you, on you as well? Because I think it's, it's I, had a rotating uh, lineup. Am I correct? It, it is mostly a rotating lineup. We have had pretty solid lineup since like maybe 2017. Um, I mean, we've had the same bass player and drummer since 2015. Mm -hmm. uh, we just swap him in and uh, our bass player, we swap in and out because um, we have Elliot Larango who plays for Dorothy. He's always doing session mm -hmm. work. And then we have Nick um, Diltz from All Hail the Yeti. Mm -hmm. So we kind of just try and swap between them because they're both touring and doing so much. And I'm just like, thank you so much for playing. I know <laughs> that you're really busy. Are, are you free? Um, we've had a few bass subs, but yeah. But our guitarists are Logan Nikolic and Sam Bam Colton. Um, Logan doesn't really drink that much. Sam's sober. My drummer, Jimmy, uh, he's my like one of my best friends. He's like my brother. Um, he's been sober like five and a half years or something oh, wow. like that. He's been sober a long time. Um, yeah, that's most of us are pretty like most of us are pretty chill. Um, and if anyone does drink, which I'm, I don't think anyone does in the band anymore. I don't think any of us really drink. Um, none of us really party either. <laughs> so I just a very, very happy, very chilled out like rock band. Everyone's yeah. great. Um, and I would never want to let those guys down because they're just such talented musicians and they're just really cool people. And um, yeah, I think if I wasn't of sound mind, um, I, I wouldn't, it wouldn't be fair to them or their time because they're busy people. Yeah. Do you, when you decided to become sober, I'm assuming like the guys in the band were also, or they were all very supportive and like helpful with. Oh yeah. My, like, obviously my drummer was like there from the beginning. Um, they were all great. I actually had a show. It was my birthday show three days after I decided to become sober. Oh, wow. 
Um, yeah, so that, and it was, you know, the Viper Room, which has always been like our place. Mm. So, you know, it was a little tricky. I went up to the bar and they're like, you want your usual? Do you want a shot? And I was like, I'm not no. drinking anymore. They were like, oh, okay, cool. And then like, everyone was really cool. And like, if, yeah, it was, it was a really pleasant, positive experience. I was actually blown away. And I think um, how even, even our fans and our audience, even the way they behaved when they, um, when some of them would come up to offer me a drink or things like that. And I said, no, they'd be like, oh, okay, cool. Well, do you want an orange juice? And it was that whole experience made, cause I was very worried about how that would be, you know, first show back. I'm yeah. known for like shotting tequila and straight rum. Like what's good, what's going to be like. <laughs> oh, it, I'm happy to hear that. Like, you know, the, the, you know, the initial reaction from the, the band and like the, the fans and just like the, the general public was very uh, accepting. It was yeah. very, it was very warm. You know, that, that's one thing I really do appreciate about LA. Like, nowadays is the fact that like it still is very much like the a party city is a lot of mm-hmm. crazy shit that happens but at the same time i feel like a lot more people are uh, aware of other people's like mental well-being yeah. their physical well-being they're a lot more uh respectful of people's uh desires and and beliefs and yes. I, I think a big part of that is the fact that like so many people go to la from so many different places and like everyone just kind of comes there for similar reasons they want to you know that they're following a dream they're following a passion so I, it, i'm really really happy to hear that like everyone was just so like supportive of you know the the new path that you had picked yeah they were it was really lovely yeah all right so leah thank you so much for taking the time to share some of your insight yeah of course thank you so much for having me I, it's been really really fun yeah it was uh, it was a pleasure hearing a lot you know I very much appreciate the fact that you opened up so, so candidly and so, so honestly. And I think a lot of people, uh, I think a lot of people will be able to hear this and hear what you've gone through and one relate to, you know, to what you went through and then be able to like, you know, feel inspired to make those positive changes for themselves. All right. So as a sign off, I'm going to say, I truly believe that the more we as a society feel comfortable opening up about our struggles, the more it will help others to realize that they are not alone. Everyone has their inner strength to face whatever life puts along their path. So thank you again, Leah, for taking the time to chat. And thank you to everyone that is tuned into this episode. If anyone watching finds that they are struggling with their mental health, please do not be afraid to reach out to your friends, to your family, or a mental health professional. I will have links in the description of this video that will have some information and connections for further resources. Until next time, remember, you have the strength to conquer your battlefield. Thank you.